there are a lot of people from Web 2 who have moved into Web 3. And it's just a matter of getting the people who were excluded from Web 2 also in Web 3 to make sure that we can have a more representative ecosystem as we build and grow the future of how do we operate online. This is the Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. The mythos surrounding NFTs is as captivating as it is as palpable. Yet, with each new frontier come new normals, a chance to make room for the marginalized and the underrepresented. Today, Jess Liao, Manager of Solutions Engineering, Applied Research and Development here at Meta, moderates a panel discussing the social impact of NFTs with guest speakers Malia Abidi, Alisa Merkeline, Maddie Lieber, and Ren Feisu. They'll be discussing the unique space of NFTs and the unique opportunities they're creating. I'm Jordan Roger smith and I'd like to welcome you to our show. NFTs, or non-fungible tokens, experienced exponential growth within the last year. Web3 itself is estimated to be a $10 trillion industry in which men currently represent the bulk of those participants. Large corporations, including Meta, announced the support of NFTs on their platforms. Historically, women have been conditioned to be risk adverse. If we don't step in now, women will miss out on a multi-trillion dollar opportunity. With the rise of Web3 and NFTs, we have the opportunity to build the world that we want to be in, to define that direction, and to drive positive social impact. So in order to do that, we need to close the gender and race gap. My name is Jess, and I'm a manager on the Solutions Engineering Applied Research and Development team. I also co-founded the Women in Web3 group here at Meta, and I am humbled and honored to moderate a talented pool of creators and leaders in the NFT and Web3 space. Each of you have had a tremendous impact and continue to open doors for women in the NFT space. Can each of you give a brief introduction of yourself and tell us how you got involved in the space? Hi, everyone. My name is Milia Akli. I'm an artist, an author, and an activist, and also the creator of Women Rise. My journey in the space started in last summer, even though it feels like it's been 10 years. <laughs> but yeah, it's been quite incredible. I don't think still we have while I've seen like incredible things in this space, I don't think I've seen the full potential of NFTs and Web3 just yet. But I do agree with Jess that it's a multi-trillion dollar opportunity that women and the most marginalized need to be a part of. So that's what I'm excited to see in the future. My name is M. I started my career, so to speak, in the NFT and crypto world back in 2012. I was in the Bitcoin club at Carnegie Mellon where I was a student. And after I graduated, I started working for Visa, which is a very large payments tech company. And for those of you familiar with how the world of payments work, there's a lot of parties that are involved in any time payments flow across the world, cross borders and exchange currencies. And so that's when I really started to understand the applications of cryptocurrency and how blockchain can have remarkable impacts on people's lives. I didn't really, that was more from an investor perspective. I didn't really get into the world of NFTs at, until August of this year. And what I loved about it is the community perspective, the way that people can enter into a space that historically has been a little bit scary and a little bit closed off if you don't have a finance background or a tech background and create this really warm and inclusive environment within communities where people can learn about new technology and ask questions that 
they don't feel like they're dumb questions. And so I started my my career in NFTs as just a collector, an investor. And one of the cool things about the industry is that there's incredible opportunities to get involved beyond just being a participant. I 100% agree with Anne and everybody. My name is Varun Fay. I'm a business engineer from Meta Team. Been here for about five years. I think I started with crypto around 2017. That was the time everybody just got into it, got a little bit crazy. And then gradually I realized that actually lots of these communities, as I mentioned, they're for the social good. They didn't actually get resources. Actually, relatively speaking, you know, for those focusing on monetization, they got way more resources. So I figured out that's definitely a problem. And the last year for the NFT, the global sales was about 24.9 billion dollars. It was a lot of money, but vast majority of those were, you know, driven by sometimes speculations and also not to mention the, the fraud and the scam involved. I felt like as someone coming from the engineering a community, I, I do want to make sure that we, we pay attention to those who are actually using NFT for good. So this year, I just make it a more of a personal mission to actually work on enabling lots of these charity organizations and also internally, externally, just make sure that we're using NFT for good. So that's why I got into this space. I'm Maddie. I'm a program manager at Meta. I originally started my career in this kind of interesting niche between learning and development and strategic operations, really just looking to be involved in business and tech and figure out what career paths there were for me. And because of that, I obviously started investing in crypto a number of years ago, but I hadn't gotten involved in NFTs until the end of Q3 maybe of last year, which was just a fantastic way to bring together both kind of my work life and then also passion on women's issues and art and creative outlets in general. So I've really loved being involved in the space and I'm really passionate about getting more women into Web3. I co-founded the Women in Web3 group at Meadow with Jess. Amazing. What a panel. We're only scratching the surface with the potential of NFTs and Web3. Now couldn't be a better time to get involved and to make the world more diverse and inclusive. How do you see NFTs playing a role in accessibility for social impact? There are a few things that are happening in this space that are allowing for us to be able to advance human rights or social justice. One of the most obvious ones is due to the wealth that's available in this space or the amount of wealth that like the wealth transfer that we're about to see, for example, what we are seeing. I feel like a lot of the nonprofit organizations, especially grassroots organizations, they don't have to jump through so many hoops to get the funding to benefit their communities. That's just one of them. But then there's also like a revolution for artists who have been struggling. There's like the stereotype of struggling artists. So I feel like this is a revolution for artists that the middleman is being removed. And then there's just the artist and the collector or the artist and the art lover. And then you can just imagine financial independence for so many through this but specifically if we think a little bit outside of the us or the uk or like a little bit outside of the traditional spaces where we're so used to seeing crypto or nfts i feel like it has such a big potential to advance human rights advance women's rights fund girls education around the world so at the moment there are 258 million children who are currently out of school 129 million of them are girls and that number may seem, okay, so it's about 50-50. Boys leave school or their education is being compromised in these situations way later than girls. In many cases, girls are not even getting a chance to get educated. So I feel like the Web3 technology can be leveraged to make a change in that. But also sometimes financial issues are not the only problem. But I do feel like for millions and millions of women and girls around the world, Web3 can be an incredible space and can lead them to liberation on so many levels. 
and NFTs can be a great gateway for that because NFTs are like a bit more digestible to people, a bit more like easier to understand, I guess. It can be a bit complex space. Like there there can be some some people who may feel intimidated by it. Is this the right question? Should I even be asking this? Will I be judged for it? Or just feeling intimidated by the fact that, okay, like I don't belong. And I was one of those people. I just, I was like crypto tech finance, like what am I supposed to do with it? I'm an artist. I have nothing to do with that. But NFTs were something that I very naturally saw myself being a part of because of the art side of it. So similarly, whether you're a creator, whether you're a collector, whether you're, you want to be a part of a community that you resonate with, not to mention so many diverse NFT projects that are coming out that you probably can see yourself in, can be a great gateway for people to get started. And that can be a roadmap for a lot of people to lead social justice or create social good in their communities. I want to agree with what everything Malia said. I think one of the most interesting things to me personally about NFTs is the opportunity for people who would traditionally be excluded from the tech world to get involved and to really get their foot into the water of what is Web3. So for myself, I've spent my whole career in, in Silicon Valley working for big companies, but the vast majority of my career building startups. And I know that if you haven't gone to a top school, if you don't have a degree in computer science, it can be incredibly hard to break into that industry. There's thousands and thousands of job applications, and you just look at the names and, and the pedigree and what they have done in their experience, and it can be so hard to get to know the person behind that. And one of the really cool things about NFTs is we're creating this global network of people from all around the world that wouldn't traditionally have opportunities to get involved in the tech industry. They can become collectors, investors, but then they can, with their passions, they can be artists. They can be people who are in marketing, people who are in recruiting. They can be engineers. They can be leaders. There's so many opportunities for financial inclusion and for the opportunity to get involved in this new industry that traditionally people have been excluded from. And so there's a whole new opportunity for instead of retroactively trying to apply these principles of diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is what the tech industry is doing right now with Web3, it's so new. It's in its infancy stage right now where these principles can be baked in right directly from the beginning. So I think that's a huge opportunity. And there's also, with another lens, the way that, as Malia said, a lot of these NFT projects and organizations are really having a lens of social impact directly baked into what they offer to the world. And it's been amazing to see how many of them aren't just doing huge checks to nonprofit organizations for the tax write-off, as we know a lot of times donations can be, but there's really actually people who are genuinely passionate about partnering with these organizations, driving change. And with the global aspect of NFTs, we have a huge global community of people that with the proper education, with the proper understanding of how to approach these topics and these issues, they can drive change at a localized community level. So I think there, there's a huge opportunity ahead of us for how we we can be more inclusive within the tech industry and also use that inclusiveness to drive more social change all around the world. 100%. And I think speaking of what is uh, in front of us, right? Over the past few months, many big tech companies already announced that they're going to support NFT on their platforms one way or another. And Meta will also become, as our CTO mentioned, right, more and more blockchain compatible. So I think that means that people 
will actually have access to empty particles for good, all of these surfaces accessible to billions of people, right, literally. From the other perspective, you know, let's say banking, right, still vast majority of the of global population don't actually have access to high quality or trustworthy banking. So this is some problem that has been discussed, you know, since the very beginning of Bitcoin, et cetera. It's interesting if you check the, the population, like the ratio of people owning active wallets, of course, developed countries, right, you have a pretty good percentage, but also on the other extreme, you will see countries like, let's say, Ukraine or something. They have more than 10% of the people actively using cryptocurrency. So it gives you a sense that when people don't feel enough trust in the in certain institutions or their local banks, they turn to crypto. And these people would also have access to the group projects, right, backed by NFT. So I'm just very excited about that. And I think there's also an interesting trend I'm looking at right now. I got friends who just became NFT creators these days because it's just so easy. You create some kind of picture, you go to some of these open marketplaces and admit an NFT, and then they promote some of the cause they deeply care about. So I felt like all the way, like you two have mentioned, it's just more intuitive somehow, and it's cooler. I guess that's appealing to the younger generation. So I think NFT has done a really good job just making all of these social impact projects more accessible to the general public. I look at it from an organizational development perspective. And in Web2 and more traditional corporate structures, it's it takes a lot of work for social impact organizations to get off the ground because there are so many hurdles for them, right? So even things like basic transparency in the way that they're running their organization and verifying that they're actually doing good work are really hard. And then things like huge marketing budgets required to get access to the groups of individuals that you would need to support your organization and like rigid expectations around organizational bloat, decision-making, all of these things are then directly made easier via Web3 ecosystem technologies like blockchain. It verifies that you're actually doing good work. You can use DAOs for community-led or community-driven decision-making. And overall, the whole point is that there's this increased transparency available to everyone to verify everything that you do. So it basically takes away some of the big foundational problems that we have with large-scale social impact organizations in the Web2 world or normal world. And then on top of that, NFTs particularly help you to actually build a strong community movement by providing something of value that can continue to grow in value back to your supporters. And so it isn't just people doing this out of the goodness of their hearts. It's also people getting value and buying into a social impact movement, almost like they would buy stock in a company, which I think starts to position the opportunities here in a really interesting way. And so I think Web3 NFTs are pretty essential to making it much easier to start up and do good work yourself, but then also support um, really good work that's being done by others. Amazing. The space is incredible and the potential is just so huge on so many dimensions when we talk about financial accessibility, inclusion of people of all backgrounds, increased transparency and trust in our systems, and truly at a global scale. This is big. How do you see NFTs as a catalyst for helping introduce more women into Web3? There's still this misconception for a huge number of people in the world that stems all the way back from 2011 with the Silk Road, when Bitcoin was being used to buy drugs and money laundering. And it has this whole dark web connotation that I think not everyone has completely dispelled yet from their mind. And so this application of blockchain that's a little bit more fun, it's very inclusive and has more tangible real value that people can understand, such as NFTs, is a really great way to get 
over this mindset of cryptocurrency is the dark web where bad things are happening that you should stay away from. And I think it's really interesting where we've found this application of blockchain where women can get involved and and get involved in communities that they can meet people just like them and also people that identify in different genders to be able to connect with and learn from. It creates this whole community ecosystem that can be very warm, very inclusive and inviting where people don't feel quite so alone as they log on online and try to figure out how everything works. And I think more and more as the applications of NFTs evolve and develop into how are we viewing NFTs as access passes or membership, or how are we creating contracts using NFTs, the more real world applications that come out, the more and more women will see, okay, there is more to this whole system and and blockchain and as a whole, using NFT as a stepping stone to get into that. It makes it a little bit less scary to think about NFTs if you're looking at it, oh, okay, if I own this specific token or this specific piece of artwork, that then gives me access to exclusive benefits with brands that I already know and love. I can get physical products. I can get discounts. I can get an online wearable version that if I go to an event or I go to a party and I meet my friends from all around the world in one metaverse environment, I can have these clothes that represent what I already wear in real life and in the metaverse. And so creating these ways to make it seem more familiar and understand how the applications can work, I think is a really great way to help women understand and not just women, let's be honest. I think there's a lot of people in the world that are still a little bit scared of blockchain and and how they can understand how it all works and just creating these safer environments where people can learn the basics and then use that as a stepping stone to get into what is the deeper world of Web3 and how can we apply these principles beyond just NFTs. I feel like that when we like start to even think about this question, there's like us, we need to understand that there's a certain level of privilege that comes with even like you stepping into this space, whether you're a man or a woman. Information is like secondary, not everybody has access to like Wi Fi or even the time. So let's say even if you do have a smartphone, computer, Wi Fi, some women don't even have the time to, okay, today I'm gonna Google what Web3 is, what NFTs are, specifically thinking about, let's say, single moms or stay-at-home moms, like they just just don't have the time. And I think one incentive that we can incorporate in these conversations when when we are trying to onboard women and um, girls into this space is that culturally, like women are like, they don't even allow women to have anything outside of what they're supposed to have in their family life. If you're married or if you're a mother, that's like what your life is supposed to be. Otherwise, everything else that you want to do is not very female-like of you to do. Thinking about that privilege, like if you are in this space, it is a certain level of privilege that goes into it. And if we are truly thinking about a decentralized world and not just like a decentralized US, we do need to think about all of these different cultural things that we need to keep in mind. One thing I think how we can shift the culture around or shift the conversation around it is perhaps start telling, starting the conversation a bit from the beginning and saying, why is it going to be helpful? If you support your wife, if you support your daughter, if you support your sister getting into this space. And I think that's a, that's a responsibility of men and women. And then also talking about the fact that, okay, to get you started, you don't have to compromise on, you don't have to change too much in your life. This is something you can do at home. At least start learning about it. 
just take a look at it. Just encouraging them to take baby steps because just even hearing about these things like blockchain, Web3, these are normal to us now because we have been in this space for a while, but even we are learning. It can get overwhelming. It can get intimidating. So in terms of like answering or using like how you, I love the word that you use, a catalyst. Imagine talking to somebody who doesn't have the privilege of even imagining themselves in this space due to what their life looks like. I feel like there needs to be different plans for different sorts of women because not all women are in the same situation. I absolutely love what Elissa said. While that plan is amazing for one group of women, we need to come up with like several more just so that we can make sure that this space is not leaving people behind. I love that you're talking about education from a learning and development background. Obviously, that's an area that I'm super passionate about and that I spend almost all day, every day in my real life normie job thinking about. There are a couple things that are studies indicate to be foundationally true about the way that women learners learn differently than people who are from a more traditional than men do really as like a, a block of learners. So it's basically two things. Women tend to learn best in cohort environments, so social-based learning. And then they also require a significantly higher level of perceived confidence and competence. So the competence and confidence that they themselves think that they have to actively participate in a new skill, a new industry, a new topic. And those things are, are relatively common across women, regardless of their geographical background, religious background, basically any of the identity markers that we may consider. And so when we think about bringing new women into this space, we need to not only expedite the speed with which they learn, but also shorten the duration of that learning journey so that they can participate more quickly. But the way that we get there as Malia was saying, is going to need to be different for every person, right? Every person cares about different things. They ascribe societal and social value to different items. And so the analogies that you need to use to onboard people into this space can look very different. And the plan with which you do that, as Malia was saying, is going to need to be different depending on the situation. Some people may need a lot of high-touch interaction and one-on-one -on -one mentorship. Some people may need an e-learning curriculum and modules that they can come back to on their own at any time, even if it's 11.45 p.m. and they have five minutes where their kids aren't bothering them in the bathroom. You know, So building solutions that make sense for everybody and make education more equitable are going to be really important for bringing more women into the, into the space. I can probably briefly talk about the role of men play in this space. And I think in Web2 or the, the, the IT industry as we know right now, the sort of the mistake has been made, right? Even arguably, the first batch of engineers were actually women, like Ada. Like we, we read this from textbook, right? Like she was coding, like she was building this software, et cetera. But gradually, culture shifted, everything shifted, and then it became more of a kind of man-dominated area. And I think Web3, this is a, a second chance. I think not only on the consumption side, the supply side, like creators, you know, uh, artists, and also the users or whoever appreciate the art. I think from the tech industry, like within, we also need to think about it, right? How can we introduce more of the kind of female engineers into the space? Let them build new startups, let them work with. And because there's still a problem, right? Web3, even though it's a new thing, it, it grew out of the, the Web2. You can argue it's incremental or not. The talent is definitely some, it's the same around, the, like same group of people coming from the Web2 space. So I felt like, Moving forward, um, not only focusing on the product, I will try to have this kind of conversation more, more as well. Just make sure that on the talent side, we also bring more women into the space, more 
you know, diverse thinking. I love it. So many good points talked over here. You mentioned like breaking down that historical misconception that cryptocurrencies is this dark web. Renfe, you talked about the previous Web 2 revolution and how women were part of that originally and then were bombarded by men. Maddie, you talked about the way women learn is a little bit different. And in order to get to that point, we need to expedite the speed and shorten that learning journey. And that path is going to be really different for each of us. And Malia, like the privilege, reminding us that the privilege, it's inherent into stepping into the space, whether it's through equipment, it's through accessing Wi-Fi culturally or time, the most scarce resource of all. What kind of opportunities in terms of jobs, businesses and audiences might women have in the NFTs and Web3 space that they don't have anywhere else? I think the roles and the jobs that exist in the real world in Web2 space, that, but also like in Web3 space, they will exist. And that's something that I really want to emphasize for people because sometimes when I'm talking to them, especially women, they're like, oh, so like, I'm not an artist or I don't have a huge amount of money to become a collector even. What should I do? Is there anything in this space for me? Whatever you're doing in the real world or like outside of the Web3 space, you can do that in the Web3 space and be a part of it. And that's something that I really want to emphasize. On top of that, I feel like there are so many different roles that are just you will come across by just even becoming a community manager. Like I've been in the Web2 space, like I've had a community, like art community for over 10 years now, building a community, talking to people online. I've never had a sense of community like I do in Web3. It's like living in a small village. Everybody knows everyone. It's super fun, but then opportunities do come out of them. Like, other than the founding team members, the people that are on our team came from our community. Like, their day job or their real-world job is completely different, and what they're doing at Women Rise is completely different. Sometimes we're doing, like, as members of this community, we're doing jobs that don't even have a title. So what I would suggest is, like, being a community member is, like, the best way to start and then experimenting and seeing you will you may be surprised by yourself as well because even though I'm an artist in this space I am doing like several things that I didn't even know that I could and then I've seen so many other people excel in so many spaces without having a title of their job just because web3 has pushed them to recognize their potential so I would say just start and I think you will find the answer to that Yes, Maliha, I, I love your answer. And I, I just want to pile on to that a little bit and reiterate how wonderful I think that answer was. I, I think one of the super interesting things about Web3 is the whole world of crypto blockchain started with an anonymity, right? All the way back to Satoshi and Bitcoin. And with that, I think there's a really cool opportunity to eliminate a lot of the credentialism that we experience in real life. So you can operate behind a completely anonymous avatar, work your butt off and grind all the way to being a leadership position in an organization. And it doesn't matter what you look like, what your nationality is, what school you went to, what your professional history is. And so there's a really cool opportunity there. Every single job that exists in Web 2 also exists in Web 3. We need people in HR. We need people in operations and finance and accounting, engineering, front end, back end, full stack, everything. And I think that's really cool from the eliminating all of these intrinsic biases that we have perspective. However, it does mean that we need to be incredibly thoughtful and 
making sure that in this world of anonymity, historically and statistically, it has been represented by one primary demographic. And so we need to be thoughtful and mindful to make sure that we are finding people that can be brought up into leadership positions that will then represent diverse ways of thinking, diverse opinions, because they come from different backgrounds. So that's one of the kind of like good and bad things of Web3 in this world of anonymity. It's so easy to have a very homogenous group representing because you can't see who's behind the screen. But with that, I think one of the, the interesting things that we talked a little bit about earlier as we were speaking is that there's a huge opportunity for women who have been excluded from the workforce through the pandemic. There were millions of women who lost their jobs, who had to stay home because they were, were the primary caretaker for their children who weren't going to school. And that option of getting back into the workforce by staying at home and getting involved in a part-time basis in a community, such as Malia mentioned, there's opportunities to get involved just as an active community member and then grow into a leadership position. And so not only from an investor collector standpoint, where there's an incredible amount of wealth creation that can be afforded to women who aren't in the workforce right now, in the formal workforce right now, there's a lot of opportunity to get involved and be engaged from a career path perspective within these communities. And so that opportunity is what I'm most excited about, the opportunity to bring folks who would traditionally not get opportunities in the tech industry into this world. And hopefully that will help us build a more diverse landscape as, as we build and grow Web2. Because as Renfei said in, a little bit earlier, there are a lot of people from Web2 who have moved into Web3. And it's just a matter of getting the people who were excluded from Web2 also in Web3 to make sure that we can have a more representative ecosystem as we build and grow the future of how do we operate online. I really want to also emphasize the importance of being anonymous in the space because uh, this is my personal experience. I have been using Discord pretty heavily. You know, for those who don't know, this is a social network group messaging service where you don't really true real identity, right? You use avatars and all that. It's like a fake names. I really thought the the experience would be very chaotic, right? Because people are not showing out their real identity. They might you know, talk differently. But then I was completely shocked. At least in the servers I was involved. I'm an immigrant, I'm Asian, but when I'm in this, like when in an anonymous social network service or the NFT space where privacy is baked in, since for Web2, privacy was like an afterthought. People are like, oh, this is actually not good. Let's, let's take care of the, the privacy issues. But Web3, it's, it's actually baked in. Everybody thought about it when they build the Web3. They're like, okay, it got to be anonymous. Nobody should know who I am. The wallet should just be a random string. And that's it. So I felt like I can actually have better conversations to a certain degree in an anonymous identity. And I think for minorities in general, and more from a global level, you can show up like in different culture, different environment without being judged by the, like your look or your gender and all that. So I, I'm actually personally very excited about that. And also just to build on what Renfrey was just saying, it's also built such a, like a filtering safety wall around activists, for example, because we have seen in so many countries that you cannot even, if you openly talk about your opinions or talk against, let's say in the Middle East, let's say you talk against like the authorities, you will be jailed. So, you know, you, or if you're talking about women's rights, I know so many women activists who have been jailed who have been targeted for very, this very reason. And then I know a few who remained anonymous and they were never, they could never find them. 
And that came from that being able to stay anonymous on Web2. And I think Web3, there is this safety for activists, for people who just may not feel so comfortable being, let's say, dogs. I think that is one of the best things about Web3. I think it's interesting. When you think about Web2, the women for barriers to get involved are high. And the women for barriers to be successful are also high. And when you look at Web3, the barriers to get involved are lowered on a regular basis. And the barriers to being successful are significantly lower. And part of that is about the anonymous nature of the space. Like I think back to when I was in customer support in very early stages of my career and we were on a chat service and all men changed their names to like more women identifying names and vice versa. And the men just started being like terrorized by the ads customers that we worked with. And it was really interesting to have statistical evidence that women encounter significantly more friction, have opportunities taken away from them. And when you look, it's unfortunate, of course, that we live in a world where that happens. But then when you look at the non-leaning environment in Web3, you lean much more heavily into valuing people based on their ability and valuing people based on their contributions rather than tying that to your identity. And that helps to open up opportunities for women that may have been the same doors that were closed on them in Web 2. So I think it's both. There's all the opportunities that you have in Web 2 and the ability to access and get those opportunities is made a little bit better in the Web 3 ecosystem. I love that point that you touched on, Maddie, on like how the barriers to uh, get involved are low and then the barriers to succeed are also significantly lower. And to the point, everybody on this panel, Malia Renfe, talking about the benefits of being anonymous in the space and kind of having that safety net so that you can truly grow and show your value based on your abilities and your contributions rather than having that be associated to your identity, gender, race, or whatever it may be. And that is all super important as we build that diverse landscape. I hope you enjoyed this panel discussion on the social impact of NFTs. And I'd like to thank our guests, Malia Abidi, Elisa McAline, Maddie Lieber, and Renfei Zhu for joining us and sharing valuable insight into this new and innovative space. And then extra special thanks to our moderator, Jess Liao. You can listen to another panel discussion moderated by Jess in our episode on innovation and on entrepreneurship. There'll be links to that episode and any other resources mentioned in today's show notes. Thank you for listening to the Business Innovation and Technology Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. The conversation continues in part two when Jess asks, What do you think is still needed? to make Web3 in the NFT space more accessible to new creators and participants.